Hey everybody, welcome to the Daily Underswell. I'm Derek Sabori, I'm your host. We're here again at the sustainability desk, my desk, looking at my inbox, getting sustainability news and sustainability stories, mostly consumer facing, getting them into your um, device so that you can be up to speed on things that are happening in the sustainability world. I was talking to some friends yesterday and you know one of the reasons that I'm starting this and doing this podcast is I feel like sustainability especially in in business there is a sort of um, there's some great content for the B2B world and for for people that are sustainability professionals but when it comes to business to consumer getting the news out to you guys to the average um, consumer or worker or manager or executive or student, it seems like there's a big gap. So my goal is to bridge that gap and make sure that you, no matter what field you're in or what part of the company you're in or at whatever stage of your career you are in, that you have access to these stories and that you can have some ammunition for your sustainability dialogue at your next cocktail party or otherwise. So let's get right into it and see what is out there today. Um, Today is Friday, July 14th, and I'm excited because the podcast just made it on officially to the iTunes um, store. So now you can find us. Check out our website, The Underswell. I'm going to change it here any day now, but it gives you a little glimpse. And um, I'm excited about what we got going on. So first thing that I found is a Kickstarter campaign for a shoe, very interesting um, <laughs> shoe here, but what I like about this is this shoe came from a factory worker who was tired of um, the glues that were being used in the factory. Really toxic view glues that are out there, and this person decided that um, it was time to do something about it. So they formed a shoe that is called K-I-E-C-O-B-E, and the website is the same, so Key Ecobe, and this is a shoe that basically you assemble yourself, so it's a glue-free shoe, pretty interesting. Um, I'm not sure about the style, I like the concept, but um, I think the verdict is out on whether it is a, a style that will stick. But either way, the goal is to remind people that you know the products that we consume and are used often have toxic chemicals associated with them. Um, there's a really neat campaign that Greenpeace did. It's called the Detox Campaign. They did an amazing job of bringing awareness to the average um, reader on what type of chemicals are being used in the textile and footwear industry, who are the leaders in the space that are doing um, something proactive to eliminate some of those toxic chemicals, and who are the laggards. So this particular person, um, Gayu Dog Kim, started working in the shoe industry in the 90s, developing designs for Nike and Reebok. I found this story on Fast Company. Um, This article is by Adele Peters, and says, uh, after two decades of, uh, after working in the the factories for uh, more than 20 years, these industrial strength glues that expose workers to chemicals like toluene, methyl, ethyl, ketone, or benzene, um, which can lead to illness or in the case of extreme exposure, even death, are still a problem. Several manufacturers have committed to phasing out toxins in their products, partly by using different adhesives. Nike's contract manufacturers now use 96, 96% less petroleum-based solvents per pair of shoes than they did in the 1990s, and that's great news. 
Nike often gets a bad rap. They've had a bad rap in the past, but they are, just to let you know, one of the sustainability leaders. If you dive into their website, their products, their message, their sort of uh, engagement in the supply chain, and and also also sort of in the um, collaboration space is, is really um, commendable. But this shoe, uh, you would assemble the final pieces of the shoe, and uh, rather than have the workers in a factory do it. So check that out. Pretty interesting story. Uh, next thing here, too, is speaking of manufacturing overseas, an article that I found on Sourcing Journal uh, says that China's textile sector gets more sustainable and it is saving the country billions. So this article is by Genevieve Scarano, and it alludes to the fact, um, and I think sometimes, you know, overseas manufacturing, import manufacturing can get a bit really bad rap. That's not always the case. It kind of really depends factory by factory and brand by brand. So don't just write off something because it was produced overseas. Look for fair trade certifications or fair labor association um, um, certifications or organic fibers, got certifications saying that the, the fabrics and fibers were organically sourced. But in this particular article, it says that the World Bank Group member International Finance Corporation, the IFC, and Natural Resources Defense Council, that's the NRDC, they released a cumulative, their cumulative results of their collaborative Green Textile City Initiative in Shanghai. Due to the initiative's progress, 23 textile mills in the Suzhou area alone developed 138 factory projects in 2016, conserving $8.4 million in operating costs for chemicals, energy, and water. So there are some great organizations that are really working hand-in-hand with factories um, and some of the biggest producing countries in the world to um, to hit reductions like this. So just wanted to make sure you were aware of that, that there's some good things going on in different parts of the world. Let's see. How about this? Planet Fitness. They just recently announced um, anybody working out, getting ready for the summer. If you are and you're at Planet Fitness, they just announced their first net zero energy location. It's in St. Petersburg, Florida. It's become the chain's first net zero energy building. I found this on Energy Manager Today, this article by Emily Holbrook. The gym partnered with Solar Energy Management to incorporate clean, renewable solar energy into the building's design, which, according to ProudGreenBuilding.com, involved the placement of 179 kilowatts of solar panels to feed energy throughout its 20,000-square-foot location. The install featured a solar power canopy and a solar roof system fully integrated into the building's infrastructure. So that is great. They're saying that more than five, more than 5,000 tons of carbon dioxide will be eliminated and that the, property, the property's monthly electricity bill will be reduced by 99%. The building also added LED lighting fixtures to increase energy efficiency further. Good job, Planet Fitness. Nice to know. How about this one? Another big company, Apple, speaking of renewable energy, they are building another 100% renewable powered data center. So lots of criticism that I've heard from people um, that might allude to, well, but what about all your cell phones and what about the lithon, lith- the ion lithium battery in your, in your uh, hybrid car? So sure, there are myriad impacts that are associated with all the things that we use on a daily basis. But I like when some of these ubiquitous products and the brands that are behind them are really making an effort in um, in big ways. So 
Apple has done some, um, I think, some commendable things, despite, uh, not despite anything, I just, I think, you know, they've done some good things. Apple announced this week that it will begin construction on a data center in Denmark that will run entirely on renewable energy. The $921 million project will begin operations in 2019 in um, Abanrea in southern Denmark, near the German border. So... They say they're thrilled to be expanding our data center operations in Denmark and investing in new sources of clean power. The planned facility, like all their data centers, they say will run on 100% renewable energy from day one, like all of their data centers. That's interesting. I didn't know that. So the data center is Apple's third outside of the United States and it's second in Denmark. So feel good about your Apple products, because chances are that you have an Apple um, phone that you're using right now, perhaps even to listen to this feature. How about this? And if you're driving in your car, your car takes uh, wheels, your wheels use tires. And on uh, greenbiz.com, this article by Barbara Grady, it's called GM and Michelin put brakes on deforestation linked to rubber. So what's the connection to trees? Well, it says forests and natural vegetation absorb about 30% of the carbon dioxide that's emitted worldwide from industrial activities, transportation, and electricity generation, making forests crucial in the fight against global warming. So that's one reason why deforestation is so problematic, she says. Each year, upwards of 26 million acres of forest are lost, according to the UN Food and Agriculture Organization, as the world's voracious appetite for palm oil, timber, beef, Corn, soy, and paper pulp spurs growers to clear-cut forests to plant commodity crops or construct buildings. So this article is really um, about the rubber demand that exists for the tires that we use. But it says last year, Michelin announced it will no longer produce or procure rubber from deforested lands. That's a big commitment, and that's an important one. It says it's set about working with suppliers and regional governments to encourage sustainable forestry. Michelin's zero deforestation policy led other tire makers, Bridgestone, Goodyear, and Continental, to also begin working towards zero deforestation in rubber procurement. Having commitments like that from some of the biggest companies in the world, so important. It's important to even you as a consumer going in for your tires, even mentioning that to the staff or asking about it. Hey, where do we know which of these companies has a commitment? Which of these com- companies is u- using deforest, uh, deforestation-free rubber? And just sort of see what kind of response you get. But this article can be found. You can learn more about that. But I like that. GM, Michelin, and um, the others. Nice work on that commitment. Similar article, Sustainable Brand, said that Tired of Waste, how Hankook, another tire company, is working to disrupt the tire industry. It says that, um, in fact, this one says that tire manufacturing depletes 70% of the world's natural rubber. Natural rubber comes from Hevia brasilensis, the rubber tree, and uh, 93% of the trees are grown in Asia, which increasingly needs rubber trees to preserve rainforests. So in an effort to take tire sustainability to new heights, the, the um, in 2016, South Korean manufacturer Hankook They opened a futuristic research and development center near Seoul called the Technodome. And the Technodome has a focus on sustainability. It says that the LEED certified facility is made from recyclable building materials. It includes water-saving facility and is powered by geothermal, solar, and energy recycling um, 
initiatives. It's a high-tech area with advanced insulation that converts natural light into usable energy. Very interesting. You could learn more uh, by visiting the website and checking out the Technodome. But Hankook Tire also in the game. Let's see. Let's switch gears over to um, how about food? It's getting that time of the day. We're getting hungry, and restaurants are returning their empty oyster shells to the ocean to rebuild decimated reefs. I'm out here on the west coast, so this does not seem like it's happening out here. This is on reported on Fast Company uh, by Ellie Anzalotti. But this is a partnership between a nonprofit and a waste management company in Mobile, Alabama, that has already diverted 2.8 million oyster shells from the landfill. And the uh, it says this area accounts for 67% of the oysters consumed in the U.S. This is the Gulf, Gulf Coast region of the U.S. But each oyster slurped down, says the article, leaves behind a shell. And recycling those shells, instead of sending them to the landfill, could actually be the key to rebuilding a coastal region decimated by natural and man-made disasters. So the next time you have oysters at your favorite restaurant, go ahead, ask them if they are recycling them. And if they have an oyster shell recycling program. But there's a website that they can learn more about. It's called joinacf.org. And food waste is a big thing. And a lot of times sustainability is just about being smart, looking around, seeing what's left over, and seeing how we can put it back to use. Um, Eco-textile news, changing over to fashion, just um, reported on Friday that the largest ever ethical fashion show in Berlin took place. It was the uh, Sustainable Textiles Trade Fair Duo Ethical Fashion Show Berlin and Green Showroom have concluded this week with positive feedback on their new location. It says that the ethical, fa- the ethical Fashion Show Berlin showcased its biggest product portfolio in the show's history. So check out that, the Ethical Fashion Show in Berlin. Probably some great brands in there, and we will probably do a fashion-specific segment here on the show one of these days. Um, Back to driving. Sorry to bounce around, but I just like to get these sort of um, out. It's a stream of consciousness, and my goal is just to get you as many stories for conversation as possible. How about this one, though? Here's what a sustainable highway might look like. If you want to see the future of transport in action, you might expect to tour a Silicon Valley research and development lab, says this article by Jose Formoso on GreenBiz. Um, basically, what we're looking at is a highway made of of um, PV, small little solar panels. And it says, there's a quote here that, if you want to see the future of transport in action, you might expect to tour a Silicon Valley research and development lab, but one of the best places to see the future of sustainable transportation might be in the heart of Georgia, on an 18-mile stretch of Highway 185 near the city of Lagrange, that's where Ray Anderson Foundation, uh, Ray C. Anderson Foundation, which took over the highway several years ago, is transforming the road into a lab, pushing green transportation to faster development. So it's a nonprofit that was created by Harriet Langford, the daughter of the late sustainability champion. Have you read the book A Mid-Course Correction? That's the story of Ray Anderson, a sustainability pioneer. He was in the carpet industry, Interface Carpets. It's an amazing book. It's a must-read if you are interested in sustainability and business. But um, it says that they created a legacy of green business leadership at a car- at the carpet company, Interface. I just told you that by the time of his death in 2011. Um, basically, this article kind of highlights 
the, some Q&A on this road, but it is uh, looks like an exciting thing. It, using road space and open space to create some energy uh, seems like a great opportunity to um, put together or put <laughs> put to use some resources that are already existing. Back on beer, we talked about beer the last show. Also on Green Biz, Jacob Rouser says that New Belgium, Yards, Sierra Nevada breweries leverage green tech. And he says that he recently took a trip to Asheville, North Carolina with his wife, and they toured the newly opened New Belgium Brewery. I love New Belgium because they're 1% for the planet member. They've always had a good kind of give back and a sustainability um, strategy in place that was commendable. He says uh, that they learned it was constructed on a plot of land that was less desirable. It was an old auto junkyard and livestock auction house. But with a focus on sustainability, sustainability, New Belgium worked with scientists and environmentalists to clean up the land and water naturally by planting indigenous species that would remove some of the toxins and replenish the soil. So, without this show, how would you know that? How would you know that New Belgium is doing that? But, uh, I joke, but it's true. That's the whole goal. So, check out this article if you want. Green Biz. Kind of learn more about what these great um, breweries are doing to lower their footprint. Small and independent breweries make up 99% of the operating breweries in the U.S. So that's a big um, a big chunk. So if they're doing something good, then we should uh, know about it. In fact, um, Sierra Nevada has the largest privately owned solar array in the, com- in the country, consisting of over 10,000 solar panels. And then Sierra Nevada captures and reuses its own CO2 that is released during the fermentation process to then carbonate its own beer. That's amazing. So much so that at its main brewery in Chico, California, it now only uses, quote-unquote, dozens of tanks a year instead of three to four truckloads each week. That is a sustainability victory. Um, how about a word of the day? Natural capital. Are you familiar with it? 3BL Media released a... Um, uh, press release here says launching the natural capital protocol toolkit helping business understand its relationship with nature it's a big movement um, going on in the business space on un- un- kind of unraveling your supply chain and understanding what your full impacts are and how it is how those impacts are related to to our natural environment this press release says that today the world business council for sustainable development and the natural capital coalition launched a toolkit, the Natural Capital Protocol Toolkit. It's a brand new resource to help companies implement the Natural Capital Protocol, the first ever standardized framework for measuring business impacts and dependencies on nature. So if you're in the business space and you're looking for something like this, it says it will help you address natural capital depletion by improving understanding, measurement, and decision-making. It's free. It's an interactive database with over 50 tools for businesses to use. You have access to the tools and methodologies that are already available. You can make, um, helps you with your progress on your efforts to measure and value your risks and opportunities so that you can ultimately assess your true costs, your true profits, and your true value. Natural capital accounting is often we look at the costs of our goods are the materials, the labor, the packaging, and the transportation. Looking at natural capital cost or the true cost is when we start to look at how about the emissions that were created? How about the air pollution that was caused? How about the water that was used? How about the water that was polluted? 
so on and so forth. Um, so forth. How about deforestation? How do we account for those things? Well, that's what natural capital does. So if you're interested in something like this for your business, the parent company for the company I used to work at, Volcom, um, they're called Caring, K-E-R-I-N-G. They also did something similar based on natural capital accounting. It's called the environmental profit and loss, but accounting for all of the natural capital and then also placing a monetary value on it. So a really interesting um, and innovative approach to measuring impact, your environmental impact. And then lastly, I think I'm going to do this every um, segment is I'm going to kind of talk about a brand of the day, a designer of the day, an entrepreneur of the day, somebody who's doing something really cool regarding sustainability. This is our friend, my friend, Jeff Yokoyama. We call him Yoki. He's here on Coast Highway in Newport Beach, California. He's got a little place called Yoki Shop. What makes Yoki Shop so special? Well, Jeff or Yoki is totally committed. He's committed to a phrase that's called design, make, and sell different. He promises to hand make everything in the USA. Um, and he does it by repurposing almost everything. He repurposes beach towels into these amazing um, hoodies that you can wear. He repurposes, he's got a partnership with USC and UCLA where he takes their old sports uniforms, kind of almost all the sports uniform components that you can think of and then makes them into cool fashionable items so these are very um one of a kind very hip he's an awesome designer um but his mission is sustainability without sacrifice and quality and craftsmanship and if you walk into that shop you will meet um yoki or sergio there it's just the two of those guys usually either designing or manufacturing product they've got some great brands in there but you're going to find um, he's done some amazing co collaborations with with our brand, with Cosm. We did a great um, upcycled towel with him where he took old repurposed, um, actually old leftover spa towels. He cut them to size into yoga mats. He dyed them, he stitched them nicely, backed them with one of our sustainable fabrics. And um, we sold them as this great collaboration. But he's had collaborations with Levi's, some of the biggest brands in the world. He has also, he was uh, the founder of Maui and Sons, many other brands, Modern Amusement, Generic Youth. He's a design legend. He's got this thing called Yoki's Garden, which is his collaboration with USC and UCLA. So if you've got a USC or a UCLA student or fan, alumni fan in your family or in your network, and you're looking for a unique gift for them, and it has a sustainability story and an upcycled story, You've got to go check this out. So his website is Yoki Shop, which is Y-O-K-I shop.com. And you can find his products online or you can go visit him in person on PCH here in Newport Beach, California. The address is 2429 West Coast Highway. Tell him Derek Sabori sent you or um, Derek at the Underswell sent you and uh, he'll give you a smile. That's about all you'll get. But he's a great guy and I love highlighting uh, the great work that he's doing. So... That's it for today. This segment ran a little bit longer than I normally do, so don't be scared. But this one, uh, I try to keep these about 15 to 20 minutes. I'm going on 23 and a half minutes. I hope you have a great day. If you've got any questions or you want me to cover a specific product or a brand or a movement, or if you've got questions about sustainability or responsible business, you want to learn more, then put them in the comments feed and um, give us a shout out. I'd love to uh, stay communicated or stay in communication with you guys. It's important to me because this show is for you. 
I have this information already. I've been working on it for years, and um, I want to start sharing it and getting it out there to you. So any questions, leave them down in the comments. Shoot me a note. You can find me on theunderswell.com, and that's it. Have a great weekend. See you next time.